0: Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
1: If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time. Resources and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's
2: create. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact,
4: you ready to check your feelings at the door
2: check it out check it out
4: this is am i reister or am i wrong we're bringing you facts and only the truth now am i reister or am i wrong
3: i'm george reister he's ralph amson and this is reister or wrong the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet the truth absolute fire on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed we keep it 100 so uh, Robin Williams this is the 7th anniversary of his death and that left some things to talk about the NCAA comes back after like ten years and finally gives a ruling on what happened at Baylor under Art Bryles. and Clay Travis goes full uh, goes full Karen at a Franklin County School District meeting about masks, and his kids don't even go to school in the damn school district. And also, he wants Art Bryles to get an apology. The, um, and we have an interview with Max Homa, professional golfer on the PGA Tour. You don't want to miss that. And, of course, Cancel a Consequence and the best of social media. So, Ralph. Jeez um, <clears throat> uh, we, we will start, though, with Robin Williams.
4: We're recording, right? Yes. Oh, wait, no. You s- We're live? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> what up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I just had a, I, I had a, what I thought was a correction, but I can't find I can't find it because we brought up Clay Travis. And I think his kids might actually be Williamson County public school kids, but I don't. I don't know that for a fact, but I guess we'll cover that when we get to it.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we will start though with, um, oh, with Robin Williams, Robin Williams had, it's the seventh anniversary of his death. It brought up many topics about mental health and wellness and how people handle things and all of that. Where are, what are you remembering today on the seventh anniversary?
4: I loved uh, Robin Williams as a kid during the 90s, so it's really hard to not be a huge Robin Williams fan. It was probably every single year that he was dropping a major family friendly movie. And then as I got older, uh, I was allowed to watch some of the PG 13 stuff that he was doing, which I thought was fantastic. Um, he was just great, man. It, 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 th- throughout the 90s, he was such a powerhouse as a comedic performer, and then he did some really cool stuff when he moved to drama, which then would turn you on to the stuff that he was doing um, if you would go back and watch his stand-up or the Nick at Night stuff with Mork and Mindy. Like, just everything. Like, R- Robin Williams is the best. I think if you, were, if you were coming of age in the 90s, Robin Williams is the best. Now, what I don't know... And you have to tell me, George, is that just like a a light a light skin kid thing? Was Robin Williams uh, uh, big in in the black community
3: Mm ish? I I remember the first time that I saw Robin Williams like do actual stand up. I'm I'm, I'm not talking about a movie, right? Actually do stand up. It was on like one of those comic you know the, the the comic telethon thing that used to always be on HBO.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that
3: called? Uh, I I forget what it was called, but but they would always have the La- com-
4: like laughing, like the old '70s stuff. Or are you talking like later on? Later on. Oh, yeah. like the fundraiser. I think with um, like Whoopi would do yeah. some stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't
3: remember what the name of it was, but I remember seeing him there, right? Yeah. And of course, I remember his movies. You know, I saw Good Goodwill Hunting, Jumanji, Aladdin, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, which is probably my favorite, Night at the Museum. Like he was hook. He was in a lot of really, really good movies. And of course, good morning Vietnam! That was a classic line. And um, but I thought his death was actually very important. And so was like Anthony Bourdain's like I kind of put them both on the same level because you see people who are out in the world who seemingly have great lives. They're well paid. They seem like everything is going right for them. Not just that,
4: they made life great for other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, quantifiable joy and fulfillment to the lives of millions of people that they would never meet.
3: Yeah. And so, you assume that because they're living the life that you would love to have, that their life is great. But they didn't clearly feel like that. And hence, why they took their own life. So, I think that it's important that we, that both of their deaths, brought up mental health issues, checking on your friends, even if things seemingly are going great for them.
4: Yeah. uh, I just, I still kind of at a point of overwhelming um, sadness when you, when you think about like it being the anniversary of his death, but at the same time, it's really hard to think about Robin Williams and not then start cracking up. Like, uh, I just I just have so many good memories of staying up late at night, watching Mork and Mindy and, and watching him cut up and stuff. Uh, I, I, I to me, uh, Hook is like a top 10 movie all time. Oh, and, oh. and it, it, I don't even I would not even say it's that good of a movie. But I always grew up thinking that the biggest villain that you could ever be in the entire world was robin williams version of peter in the beginning of that movie uh somebody who forgot where they came from yeah and lost their childhood like the the good parts of their childhood the escapist parts of their childhood and then just became too busy to be able to recapture some of that joy and i always told myself like if i if i do anything um in this life, it's don't ever become that. And what's funny is like there've been plenty of times in my life where I realized like no, I've gotten too uh, serious. I've gotten too wrapped up in my work. I'm not appreciating things. And I always come back to like that. That lesson is the worst person in the world to me was was his character in the beginning, and like the journey that he went through to rediscover, um, uh, you, you know, rediscover your childhood. I just thought and 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 the timing of it and just being young at the time. Um, was incredible and then of course there's the genie in aladdin which is probably the the best disney animated character of all time no up there no
3: what? uh he's, genie he's up there he's up there but like who would who would you put up there with genie uh the the uh, lion from beauty and the beast the um
4: but you can't even name the person who
3: voiced him am i supposed oh hold up oh wait 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 are we doing animated characters or just disney characters
4: best disney animated characters. so disney characters obviously that's like a whole other weird okay th- and uh, see see now now that
3: lets us into a whole different uh st- stratosphere in remembering what's actually a disney movie or pixar movie do do pixar movies i would count?
4: i would count yeah i would absolutely okay. count pixar I, so, I would i would call I would call Robin Williams' genie the goat no, Disney no, no. I movie immediately, character. Nope, nope.
3: Immediately, I have a better option. Okay. The Rock in Moana.
4: Okay. You still the haven't Rock. seen Moana, so so I didn't know. No, 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 no. I watched it last week because I went to my <laughs> my my son starred uh, in a performance. Well, it starred. He was Tamatoa the crab, and I watched the play. I went and watched the play um, out here at, at the uh, Children's Theater in Charlotte. And he did a really good job and it was awesome, but I was so confused the whole time. I had no idea what was going on. So I had to go home and immediately watch the movie just to get like some frame of reference for what it was. I was watching on the stage and you're right. I think it's really good. I do think it's really good, but I don't, I don't think it's better than Robin Williams and all the different characters. They, they really let Robin Williams basically do his standup yeah. routine no no and no it, it was I would it, say the rock was pretty much the rock as well <laughs> but it, it, that's up there that's up there yeah. w- w- would you would you put uh, Genie above like Buzz and Woody and all that oh Woody Woody from Toy
3: Toy Story is pretty pretty damn good too so I, I, I also I, a villain
4: ahead. Woody is a villain 100% what villain. what, do you, what yeah. are you talking about today bro he pushed Buzz out a freaking window <laughs>
3: <laughs> he tried to kill Buzz. But, then, but yeah. then he came back. He ended up a, a protagonist.
4: After... All right. What are your favorite... What's your favorite Robin Williams uh, movie? Easy. Easy. Um, okay. Mrs. Doubtfire. That's tough to beat. That's
3: really tough to beat. And then second will be Good Will Hunting.
4: <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Um, I will say that I was a really big fan, obviously of hook. I just said that. Um, and then I would have to, uh, throw a sleeper in there. Um, he played a gynecologist in the movie nine months with Hugh Grant and Julianne Moore. Yes. I remember that. I think he was only in the movie for like 10 minutes, but, uh, that movie was funny when I was a kid and it was even funnier after I'd had kids imagining being in that situation with a doctor who had only ever like delivered animal babies. <laughs> yeah. Having to deliver your, Oh baby God. Baby. Yep. But this Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire is up there. I'm going to say something that you're, uh, that I've told you before, but I don't think you actually realize the ramifications of it. Okay. If a movie was made for adults before 1994, I haven't seen it. Like there's a 99.9% chance that I haven't seen it, which means I have not seen good morning Vietnam. Have you seen Mrs. Doubtfire? I absolutely have seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that 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 was
3: 1993,
4: but I would say that's a family movie, right? Like, like that's kind of a, it was kind of like a, you watch it with your family. It wasn't necessarily for like, I wouldn't say that good morning Vietnam was a family movie. No, Um, no, absolutely not. It was not a family movie. But you know me; I'm a literature major, right? Yeah. I love Robin Williams. I have never seen Dead Poet Society. <laughs> like oh, the O oh, Captain, my cat. That's that movie, right? Standing on the desk. Yeah, we need a a a pod just to go
3: over your lack of movie history for you to watch it one time. I, I need you to watch DC Cab.
4: Okay. Um, Haven't seen it.
3: That you absolutely have to watch that. And have you seen I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? No. Both of
4: those movies are on your watch list. I'm telling you, if there is a movie, I like it. I just watched Die Hard. I just watched uh, Godfather 1 through 3, which, by the way, if you've never seen Godfather and you spent your whole life listening to people tell you how terrible the third one is, if you watch them all in a row, the third one's fine. <laughs> yeah. I think and people I, spent I think the 10, same thing. 10, 10 years waiting for a Godfather 3, and then they were mad because they were different people it was obviously very different but yeah. if you just sit down and watch them straight through yeah, I, yeah it was good
3: yep it's not as bad as people think all right uh the next thing up uh Baylor gets a verdict so if anybody has followed this story Art Bryles was the coach at Baylor he ended up getting fired and um and it ultimately just turned into a mess. He he was looked at as a guy who was that cons- condoned sexual assault, didn't do anything about it. All of this, and um, I'll let you fill them in, Ralph.
4: Okay, so uh, the Baylor scandal was essentially you you had a, I think what a transfer player from Boise State. Yep. You had Sean Oakman, you had a few other players that were accused of, I mean, in some accounts rape, and then in yes. some accounts, sexual assault, harassment, yeah. impropriety, stalking.
3: Yeah, and um, some of the players actually ended up, who were accused, were exonerated as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that, that's what I think is really, really important to say, is I, I think people probably have just accepted this narrative that everybody at Baylor is scum, which is easier to do if you've been around sports for longer than just the Baylor football scandal, um, because of the things that Baylor was involved with on the basketball end about 10 years before that. So um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too far back into the history of everything, but the crux of what the issue was, was that, there were a lot of instances school-wide and then within the football program and in other sports as well where things would be reported and then not dealt with. And you would see like a paper trail, witness testimony – um, like, Hey, here are the people that I talked to about this. And, and then nothing was followed up with nothing was done about it. Yeah. Um, which, which everybody in, in the world wants to Monday morning quarterback and say that they wouldn't ever be in that position. Um, but I guess you don't know until you know, right. Um, and, and it's tough when you're a football coach because you want your team to thrive. like there's conflicting interests there. So you just have to kind of swallow your pride and, and, and do the right thing. And uh, it is pretty clear that they did not do the right thing in a lot of different cases. And what makes things unique about Baylor as a university is it's a religious institution, and yep. it's got a really small enrollment. Yes. We're talking 17,000 people maybe? So see, you have parents sending their kids there who believe that their kids are getting... Religious instruction, probably more conservative values, stuff like that. And so to have a party culture on campus and then beyond that, one that wasn't necessarily respectful of boundaries or where assaults or rapes took place or where accusations were were flying and to not have that dealt with until it all boiled over. Uh, is going to look really, really bad on Baylor. And like I said, there's paper trails and stuff like that, that the coaches didn't always do what they were supposed to. Here
3: here is the biggest issue with this and people who are now caping for Art Bryles is this, his lawyer put out a statement that said that, that um, his client Art Bryles has been completely exonerated and cleared of all NCAA allegations alleged against him um, as the NCAA committee on infractions explained, the conduct was an issue was pervasive and widespread throughout the Baylor campus. And it was condoned or ignored by the highest levels of Baylor's leadership. The NCAA's decision today clears a way for Art Briles to return to coaching college football. And I'm like, that's what you got out of this statement. Are you fucking kidding me? You have Baylor who actually says themselves. They said themselves. The university acknowledged its significant and moral failings related to sexual and interpersonal violence. And we sincerely regret the actions of a few individuals caused harm to so many. And then the NCAA said, listen, listen, they messed up, but it's not in our purview for us to punish them because it right. doesn't constitute a violation of NCAA rules, which is fucking mind-blowing. And But the idea that people like Clay Travis and other people caping for Art Browse saying, listen, this man was completely exonerated. No, he's part of the moral and of uh, failings Because they didn't do stuff about what happened. It is. It is. It's not just Art Briles. Like, and you can't say that he's exonerated just because other people around him. And the truth be told is this: is that head coaches in college football, they know everything that is going on, everything. So the idea that this stuff was going on and Art Briles is some sort of innocent victim, like he didn't know what what happened. Do I believe that it was a lot of stuff was pinned on him that should have fallen up the ladder even higher? Absolutely, but the yeah. idea that that he is exonerated is idiocy.
4: Exonerated is a weird word to use. It's very weird. It would Exoner- be like that means you did nothing wrong. It, it also like assumes that you were in some kind of legal trouble. Uh, it and this is a governing body that has the ability to impose sanctions but there's nothing about art briles where he was going to go to jail even though i'm sure there's people who believe that that there should have been some legal punishment for people who failed to act um within the baylor uh education system but exonerated is a weird word because it would be like um so i live southeast charlotte i'm probably eight maybe nine miles away from the border of south carolina So let's say that I was driving 150 miles an hour, which I would never do. I'm not I'm I'm not a risk taker, but let's say that I was driving 150 miles an hour. And a South Carolina police officer saw me do it, but I was north of the border in North Carolina. And they didn't pull me over because it's not their jurisdiction. For me in that circumstance to say, aha, I've been exonerated. It it wouldn't make sense. Like it wasn't their jurisdiction to deal with the things that I was doing. What I was doing was clearly wrong, but it just wasn't in front of the appropriate uh, body that would have the ability to act or impose sanctions. That doesn't mean that you're exonerated. In fact, here is a quote from uh, f- from the investigation. They said he had an incurious attitude that was deeply, deeply troubling. And that, quote, he failed to meet even the most basic expectations of how a person should react to the kind of conduct at issue in this case. Thank and you. NCAA president Mark Emmert, who is a vanilla ice cream cone on a f- flavorless cake cup. Uh, <laughs> He 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 had this to say, and I thought th- this was interesting. He said, the conduct by some former Baylor administrators, coaches, and student athletes described in today's committee on infractions decision is unacceptable and runs counter to the values of the NCAA, which if as an aside, if that was true, then there would be rules on the books that allowed you to punish him. So maybe they don't run counter to the values of the NCAA. Uh, He said schools have taken many steps to address sexual violence on campus. But as the COI points out, the authority of the NCAA in this area is very limited today. This is a clear demonstration of why the association needs transformational change to create alignment between the authority and responsibility to address the most critical issues in college sports. The newly formed constitution committee is charged to effectuate this change and the membership should vote to do so at our national convention in January. So when you have Mark Emmert saying, Hey, we need to make some changes to make sure that we can actually dole out some consequences when stuff like that comes up because they definitely deserved consequences, but we were limited in scope. And then on the other side of that, you have Clay Travis saying like, everybody needs to apologize to Art Briles because obviously, uh, he was in the right and the NCAA was in the wrong. Those messages don't jive with each other at all. That's definitely not the case. The truth of the matter is this isn't the NCAA's job. And moreover, the mechanism by which sexual assault is reported on college campuses has never made sense to me. George is sexual assault a crime. Yes. Yes. Why, Why in the hell is there a university process i I don't understand why doesn't it just go to the police
3: yep and let and let them do police work and investigate right
4: Right. Campus police should be an offshoot of the actual police. They should work in conjunction with people who actually have training to deal with these type of things. And it should be taken out of the university's like this whole thing of like, well, we need to find out if we need to pull this guy out of class so that we can keep her in class. No, if there is a credible accusation of 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 sexual assault that is able to be backed up by a witness or a medical examiner within a reasonable amount of time of the assault supposedly taking place. If there's any type of written record, anything this pandemic has shown that you have the ability to move somebody to virtual learning pretty quickly. They need to be isolated from everybody else. And, and everybody needs the resources that they, that they, that they should be able to have, whether that's for legal counsel, for someone who's been accused Or 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 counseling or more for somebody who's making an accusation and you need to be able to move forward. But the people that should be in charge of the process overall are the goddamn police officers that are trained in this area. I have no idea how some of these collegiate systems supersede the actual law enforcement mechanisms that we've developed as a country. Not to say that law enforcement does a great job when it comes to sexual assault anyway, but colleges definitely aren't the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, that's a, that's a recipe for, for schools to put their best interest above what's best for everybody else. That's the, that's the first thing, right? Yeah. That's, that's the first thing, because now you've put the university in a position where they're like, oh, wait, hold up. We don't want to make the university look, look bad. We don't want to hurt our sports teams. We don't. And that's why a kid can get murdered on by somebody potentially on your basketball team. And then, and then it gets covered up and then people are trying to lie about it. It's it's a conflict of interest. When things are crimes, they should be turned over to the police for the police to handle in the end of story.
4: Yeah. And I will acknowledge this when bad things happen, we as a society, whether it involves us or not, tend to need some kind of recourse. So, yeah, there's a lot of situations in which head coaches of programs, administrators of schools who had absolutely nothing to do with something that happened six degrees away from them. Receive the ire of the public because we want our pound of flesh and we want justice when justice isn't possible, because true justice would be able to go back in time and prevent things like this from happening. Right. So a lot of undue pressure falls upon people in positions of power at the same time. That's what policies are for. That's why you put things in place to ensure that in the history of the world, when these things happen, that you know that there's appropriate ways uh, backed by social sciences that will help everybody involved piece back together a broken situation. Now the NCAA did hand down some penalties for what Baylor was involved in. And when you see what the penalties are, it became very, very clear that what the NCAA looks for are improper benefits and what they were being asked to consider were improper benefits were like players being allowed to play, even though they'd been accused of terrible things. Um, So here's what they found. The committee classified the case as a level two standard for the school and a level one standard for the former assistant director of football operations. The committee used the Division One membership approved infractions penalty guidelines to prescribe the following measures. Four years of probation, a $5,000 fine, a reduction to 30 football official visits during the 2021-2022 academic year. We'll say if they even get to use those. Uh, a three-week ban on unofficial visits during the 2021-2022 academic year, a two-week ban on football recruiting communication, a reduction of football evaluation days by three during the fall and by 10 during the spring, and a five-year show cause uh, order for the former assistant director of football operations who no longer works in football anyway. So uh, they also have to vacate some... Records, but they need to present to the NCAA what those records are and determine when and if somebody was ineligible. Bro, that is penalty.
3: See this is the actual thing that frustrates people, right? Is that you have is that you have the NCAA here. They're supposed to be the the guardrails, and going back to North Carolina and their sham classes, NCAA says, hey yo yo yo, this amateurism thing, it's important, it's crucial, and the players are trading an education for their uh, uh for their athletic prowess, and that's good enough. But then when they don't educate the players, oh. It's Out of our hands, It's out of our hands. Sorry, we can't help you there. Oh, Baylor. Why? Oh, you uh, you handle sexual assault. Oh, sorry, it's out of our hands. Oh, Terrell Pryor, you paid for a tattoo. Oh, you're suspended. Nick Chubb, you signed an autograph. You're you're out. You need to pay it pay it back. Like that's the thing that drives people absolutely mad. Is yeah. you're like, what are you? What are you here for?
4: Yeah, and it's the thing that has Arizona State fans, LSU fans, University of Arizona fans on edge right now because they're all facing investigations of their own in which penalties, uh, they're either in early stages or penalties haven't been handed out yet. Again, this Baylor thing is over five years old, so the things with these other schools could certainly drag out. Um, We might see Kansas getting a little bit of trouble here soon, and, and, and that could drag out. But we can look back on the history of what the NCAA has done, as you said, and they haven't done. And with the African-American studies courses at University of North Carolina, with one of their teaching assistants saying that she didn't even believe some of those kids had the ability to read and, and, and a 143 word essay about Rosa Parks uh, that got an A minus and all that stuff that was something that the NCAA should be able to deal with because again, they always say these are students, right? (laughs) George, do you remember when Andy Katzenmoyer appeared on the cover of sports illustrated? And they said on the cover of sports illustrated, it said if Andy Katzenmoyer can get good grades this year, Ohio state's going to be number one. Do you remember that cover? No, I don't. Okay. So (laughs) story time. Um, Andy Katzenmoyer is a linebacker for Ohio State. He was very good. He ended up being a first-round pick of the New England Patriots. I think he lasted about a year and a half in the NFL. Andy Katzenmoyer uh, was in the school of Cardell Jones, (laughs) which is mean to say that he was not there for school. Um, He was there to play football. You needed a 2.0 to be athletically eligible, and he took two summer school classes to get his 1.7 gpa up to a 2.0 the summer before his junior year i believe those classes were aids like the disease he took a class called aids and college or like aids and you like how aids can affect a college student yeah and uh like a golf class or something like that which was taught by a ta who immediately moved to New Zealand after the class was over. He got A's in both of those. And then he had a class that he failed, have a grade changed to be like a C plus. The previous had just changed his grade. And then it turned out that that was actually happening for a lot of Ohio State students at the time. Their grades were just being changed so that they could remain eligible. Ohio State made sure that he was eligible. They went 11 and won that year, finished number two overall in the country. And he ended up being a first round pick. The NCAA, I don't think ever did a thing about that. Like that was, there was academic fraud going on at Ohio state. So much so that like his academic risk was put on the cover of sports illustrated, the magazine before his junior season. Like they talked about the fact that his grades sucked on the cover of sports <laughs> illustrated. And they were just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And There's nothing the NCAA could do about it. Like, so they knew this was coming. The the uh, everything kind of spilled out, and NCAA did nothing. North Carolina stuff was super obvious. Do you remember when uh, University of Georgia, like the son of the coach, gave a multiple choice test to all the basketball players? That was like, how many goals are on a basketball court? Are you kidding me? It was like all stuff that came out after the dad was fired. I'll I'll look it up. It was insane, but there've been all these academic scandals and it never really feels like the NCAA is able to do anything about the one thing that you figured that they'd be there for. They are so overly concerned with preserving the idea of amateurism that now that you're starting to see amateurism as a concept completely fade away Begs the question of what the ultimate purpose of the NCAA is going to be. And do you have the faith that Mark Emmert is the person to lead that transition? No, he says that he hopes no, to. no, okay. no, I don't.
3: Th- that's exactly. exactly why football in and of itself needs its own commissioner. And also the NCAA should be a, a body that is going to enforce penalties, period. They, they have to enforce penalties and the, except for there can't be some bs way to do it there there can't be it's just got to be cut and dry if you if you violate sexual assault policy moral things then you should be punished if you break the recruiting rules you should be punished it's simple it's simple like what but, but people get caught into these Legal technical? Oh, well, I didn't go to jail, so I'm innocent. No, that doesn't mean you're
0: innocent, you dirtbag. It doesn't. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Vanta automates compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001 and more, saving you time and money. With Vanta, you can streamline security reviews by automating questionnaires and demonstrating your security posture with a customer-facing trust center. Over 7,000 global companies like Atlassian, FlowHealth, and Quora use Vanta to build trust and prove security in real time. Listeners can claim a special offer of $1,000 off Vanta at vanta.com special. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com special for $1,000 off
1: Vanta.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
3: The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger
5: Yiffy. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! Ah, I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around.
3: Have you had your high-five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com.
5: High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details.
4: High Five Casino. So that brings us back to Arizona State University because I'm seeing a lot of Arizona State University fans online making the argument right now of like, hey, it's very clear that the, the NCAA is going to have us by the balls at some point in the next couple of years, ASU has already put three assistants on leave to try to get out ahead of it of the stuff that can be proven based on the dossier that was compiled and given to ASU compliance and given to the NCAA. But you're seeing a lot of hand wringing from ASU fans, some ASU reporters even, saying like it's absolutely ridiculous that our punishment's probably going to be worse than theirs. Do you agree with them or do you think they're just looking for some type of grievance because i mean basically what i'm saying is the stuff the ncaa is going to be looking into as far as arizona state is stuff that they are very good at doling out correct yes yes so it's probably true that things are going to be worse for asu than they are for baylor and it's definitely true that that shouldn't be the case but based solely upon what the job of the ncaa is Yes, and knowing they, that everybody yes. knew that going in, ASU is going to get the hammer.
3: They are going to get, they are going to get hammered. And yes, it it do do you? I, I know that this is a wild analogy, but but stick stick with me here. This feels like when people get when you have when you watch to catch a predator when it was on with Chris Hansen, you know, 18 years ago, right?
4: And yeah. you would have I, the... I was just bringing these Zimas in a shopping bag to this 13-year-old girl's house because she seemed like she was thirsty. And yeah, I wanted to check it, and see if her parents were home. Exactly. And it's, and it's like,
3: they'll get like uh, probation, a year in prison, and then they'll catch them again, and and they, they'll get a year in prison after getting pro- probation. And you're just like, hold on. How do you get less time for molesting a kid or attempting to molest a kid, but just so happens you got caught on television or, or by the police. than you do for like a dime bag of weed. You see what I'm saying? Like that, those are the things that are frustrating where, where it's like, or you're like, Oh, and in football, somebody will in the NFL, you get a DUI, you're going to get a two game suspension. But then you get a four-game for, for, for PEDs. Or maybe uh, when, when, when Ray Rice, before you saw the video, he got a two-game suspension for punching his wife. So it's like they don't match. And those are the things that drive people wild is the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of punishments that seem like that they should be you know pretty easy to differentiate between the two.
4: But my point is that it only drives people wild when it adversely affects them. We need people fighting on everybody's behalf for some type of equity and some type of reasonableness when it comes to these authoritative bodies. You can't just hope that your program gets a a slap on the wrist and then stay quiet when somebody doesn't do something as bad and they get show-caused. Yep. There has to be pressure for for um, this type of consistency. And I think one of the good things is that pressure was really exerted on Roger Goodell at the NFL level when it, when he started to be the only guy who had authority to suspend people for as long as he wanted. You notice that that's kind of faded away. Um, because he put himself in a situation where people were going to be judging him on his record of being their judge. And so there was going to be a comparison for everything that he did. The unfortunate thing about the world that we live in is you have to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. So you almost need something in place. And I'm not advocating mandatory minimums or anything like that. Obviously every situation is going to be a little bit different, but if somebody gets accused of sexual assault, George, There should be an eligibility freeze immediately. Like that person should be removed from the program. Their eligibility put on pause. So Mm. if it's a false accusation, it doesn't ultimately take away from them any Ah. more than it's going to any more than it's going to. Right. Like it's going to hurt them. It's going to harm them in some way. But there has to be a situation where you can just put everything on pause and you're not five years down the road trying to armchair quarterback a situation that isn't even your responsibility. And that's the situation that, just that Baylor's in right up, now,
3: bro. You just came up with the answer. Ralph, you came up with the answer. It's simple. Pause it. Thank God. That, that somebody has actually said something sensible. This is the first time I've heard anybody say this. And I'm actually mad I didn't come up with it uh, because this is a really good idea about pause. If, if there is a sexual assault allegation or something like that, pausing their eligibility and removing them from it. Because I'm a person who understands that. Well, that doesn't believe in the aspect of, oh, let's we have to believe all women. Nope. I think that we should believe all women and believe all uh, people who are saying that they're victims enough to investigate it. Not enough to just, you know, just put people on on suspension and ruin their careers or their reputation, anything like that. Because I do know that while most allegations are probably largely true, the vast majority of them, there are sometimes people try to weaponize claims for different reasons. So I understand that, and, and it's like where people support the death penalty, but I'm like, okay, would you rather support the death penalty knowing that only 80, 85% of the people that are actually on death row, or even if it's 95% of death people people on death row actually did it, how about those 5% of people? Which one matters more? Like somebody who's innocent, who is falsely accused because there was no DNA, somebody lied or something, whatever it is. And they're actually innocent, like not just not technically guilty, but innocent. Which matters more, that 5% of people or the 95% of people who are actually guilty?
4: Well, I'm kind of an ideologue about about, about, uh, that subject, so that's tough for me. Like, I don't believe anybody should be deciding on my behalf that somebody should live or die. I agree Uh, with that. And I I know that there's people who can say, well, well, you could just extend that out to the criminal justice system as a whole. Yeah, I could. I could. You could make that connection. But we're talking about actual life or death here. I don't want anybody killing anyone in my name. I don't want that. It doesn't matter what they did. And I know that that's a really, really tough pill to swallow. A tougher pill is somebody who's innocent being executed by the state. That's yes. the toughest pill for me. Yep. There is no tougher pill, and you have to you you have to be able to prioritize those things in your mind. I don't want anybody within the realm of college football or the world at large to feel unsafe, to face sexual violence, partner based abuse, bullying, um, anything. The the world's a rough place and you have to be practical about the fact that that stuff exists, which means you have to have a plan in place, which is why most of these universities do have a plan in place, whether or not they're the best ones is the thing that we're we're in the process of trying to figure out as a society. But the idea that somebody might be innocent of something that they're accused of or or the fact that they might need to go through due process or just it maybe it came out of a place of them needing some type of help there. There needs to be a way to just freeze things right like if yep. somebody needs uh if somebody needs a mental health break if somebody's been um accused of a crime like you need to be able to remove yourself from the situation not have tuition bills come due not have loans default not have things cut off there just needs to be a way to separate you out put things on pause and look the the fact of the matter is there might not be a spot for you when things come off pause, but at least you'll have something intact to be able to take elsewhere. Once you have uh, gone through the proper channels, the victim has received justice, you've been exonerated, any of those things. At some point we got to get to a place as a society where we understand that the entire point of any justice system or any adjudication or anything like that is to get the best possible benefit for everybody involved, which includes the rehabilitation of people who participate in criminal activity. And people might look at me and say like, well, that can't be a thing when it comes to sexual assault. Maybe not, (laughs) maybe not, but you still have to be able to repair. Yep. You are 100%. You you have to Yep. like, what is the point of being alive if we can't get better or do better? I see stuff like this on, on, on online all the time. Of like, you know, somebody's accused of some type of crime. And the first eight Facebook comments are light them up, electric chair. And I mean, that was society for like the first eighteen hundred years and it sucked. Yep. We're better now because we're trending in the right direction. Exactly. Thumbs up. Exactly. We need we need to have system. We need to understand that we are a fallen, fickle. Crime ridden, broken species that needs some type of redemptive model to get back on track period and, yep. and i don't know this is going to sound like i'm i'm trying to make a case for Like, let's let people who committed sexual assault play football. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's the furthest thing from what I'm saying. I am saying let's acknowledge that this stuff is happening, put systems in place to make sure that the victims of these things are protected and have access to all the resources that they need so that we don't have to depend on some stuffy governing body not knowing what they're doing six years down the road that makes sure that people who never had to actually face any consequences or learn any lessons might get a chance to come back into football, which might cause this whole goddamn, thing to happen again
3: yep bro you are 100 right about that um th- the next thing up is you had the
4: Franklin County School District they have- Williamson County Franklin Tennessee richest city in Tennessee uh Williamson County is where Franklin is located yes. home of Clay Travis I guess
3: yes. And they had a school district meeting because they are requiring masks for um, for kids to go back to, to to school. And Clay was not very happy about that. So he shows up at the school board meeting. There's grandstanding. And apparently so I didn't think at first his kids went to that school district. But I don't know whether they're in it now and they weren't. But so I had some bad information initially that said that his kids were not in the uh, school district. But Clay was at the meeting and he went in on the school district. And here's what he had to say. And then we'll uh, follow up.
5: Difference against COVID. They aren't. Here's the truth our kids, under 25 year olds, one in a million chance that they are going to die of COVID. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to die of the seasonal flu. Have any of you ever mandated masks for the seasonal flu? Well, shame on you because every kid in Williamson County schools has been under more danger from the seasonal flu every year than they are for COVID. I would tell every parent here, don't let your kids wear masks.
3: So Clay did that for a cheering section, clearly, because he's like, don't let your kid wear wear masks. What? Do you realize the stupidity of that? Like, And then they will say that, oh, well, well masks aren't proven to help prevent COVID. What? What are you talking about? There's a reason why doctors, when you go to a hospital, why they wear masks, because masks work. Well, George, what if they're wearing cloth masks? Or you shouldn't be wearing a cloth mask, Unle- especially unless you have or a homemade mask, unless you have a filter in it. Like, period. Like it's the the documentation is there. This whole do your own research. Uh, and what the hell is your own research? Watching YouTube videos or reading articles from non-experts or discredited doctors. Like, what? What? Like, And I'm a person who mistrusts vaccines. And, but the idea that we don't trust science and trust scientists is idiocy. Think about how you look at people who say the earth is flat. That's the way you should be looking at people that say masks mass don't work. Yes, they do. There's a reason why people, why, it. there's a reason why people, uh, if they go around uh, harsh chemicals. Painters they wear masks. They if it, it they stop things. It's the truth. Are they one hundred percent effective? No. And truth be told, the reason why a lot of times, even in places where there are mask mandates, people still get d- diseases is because they're not using the mask all the time, and they still go do other stuff. They touch stuff. Wipe their face. Do this. That's how it happens, people. It's not the fact that masks don't work. It's that people still, they go, they'll wear masks when they're in a public place and then they'll go to a private gathering with their friends or what whatever and then take the mask off and then, oh shit, I guess mask mandates don't work because you're not wearing them all the
4: time, fool. Right. It's extremely frustrating to me that as he has used covid As a branding exercise to come up, he he has benefited greatly personally and professionally from what has been for most people an incredibly devastating time to be a human being on Earth. We got over 600,000 deaths in, in the United States when he said that there would be a couple hundred. He's been wrong from the beginning, but the people who want for him to be right have allowed him to surf this wave uh, into personal and professional success. And I just want to say this. It's soulless to use your kids, though they may be public school students, and though you may have a voice within your county's school board, it it is soulless to use your kid as a pawn to continue to promote yourself and further yourself on an agenda that you probably don't even believe in, to be honest, because I think Clay Travis is smart enough to know what's fact and what's fiction. And he told a lot of lies. Clay is and super he's, smart. He's fucking yeah. super smart. Like I
3: believe that's not. Yeah. I've known him since 2015. We did a show together and, and people have called him all types of t- types of names. And I defended Clay for a long time. Like, there is no, like, I do not believe that Clay believes
4: some of the things that he says. It is. Well, uh, again, the stuff that he said is objectively false. He said that there are no studies that prove the efficacy of masks. There are literally dozens of studies that that go into what masks work, where they work, what kind of masks as well as what effect masks have on your level of oxygen and overall health. Dozens, it's the first thing that pops up on the CDC website when you Google, are there studies that show whether or not masks you, work? You and you can go through CDC, all of those studies yourself. Ralph, Ralph, you can't trust the CDC. Do your own research, please. That, but that's the issue. They weren't. It's not like the CDC did those goddamn studies. They are giving you the links to go and do that research. And research is the dumbest term in the history of the world. Because actual research includes a hypothesis and a control group and time and conducting the experiment yourself. Reading what somebody else did is not research. It's not research. But if you want to read about the research that other people did, the CDC has compiled places that you can just like Wikipedia, where you can go away from the CDC website and learn more about these studies. They have shown that there is a decrease in the spread of COVID within households where a family member has COVID if you are even wearing that cloth mask that, that, that people say doesn't work at all. And they get into the percentages. And, and again, it's not like scientists have had much else to do the last two years other than focus all their time and energy on trying to figure out how to end this pandemic. This is their time. Like they're doing the work. It's out there for you to go and find. So he, he lied about that. He said that it's more likely that you, you you would die by a lightning strike than die of COVID. Here's the thing about lightning strikes. They're not uncommon over the course of your lifetime. You have a one in 15,000 chance of getting struck by lightning. That's actually like pretty good chance of getting struck by lightning. Also lightning is random and it's not contagious. And so it's this thing that people use to try to buttress their argument. But what's stupid is if you actually look at lightning strikes within a given year, it's a one in 1.2 million chance. And the odds of dying from COVID, if you are one to 17 years old are a lot higher than that. So that was also a lie. The flu George he said that you have better odds of dying from the flu. Well,
3: well no, if, if you're if you're if you're a kid, he was saying a kid.
4: Right. And he's fucking wrong. Yep. He's wrong. COVID has killed three hundred and fifty four. This is up till August 7th. And unfortunately, a few people under the age of 17 have died in the last few days. So the data is not updated, but it's closer to three hundred and sixty. Now there have been around three hundred and sixty people who were not legally adults in the United States of America who have died from COVID related issues since January 1st, 2020. Do you know how many people died of of the flu in that same time span? How long? How many half of that? The only age group, the only age group of kids in which more kids have died with the flu then complications from COVID is one to four years old. He's at a school board meeting, which he's means he's talking about school age kids, which means he's talking about kids who are five to 14 years old. Right. Okay. For the most part, you have high yes. school as well. Hundred and twenty-one up in through, through August 7th of this year have died with COVID related comp- complications as well as a few more, including two in Memphis in the last week, which is in Tennessee, 79 of the flu. And I understand that people say, well, then you just can't trust that data. Well, then what would make you trust something that comes out of his mouth? How is he any different? This is ridiculous. Because he he's told getting his several data from lies
3: somewhere as well, which is the same places that they're saying, don't listen to
4: it. It's, and, it's right. right. And they're right. supposed to be the Freedom Brigade. George supposed to be the Freedom Brigade. He turns around to the crowd, place to the crowd and says, I wouldn't let your kids wear masks at all. What happened to be able to fucking choose to yep. choose
3: so it's the exact opposite. He's like, I wouldn't let him wear wear a mask. Why not? If people want to... If the, if this is the Freedom Brigade, Brigade, people should be allowed to do that. And the other thing that is so insanely stupid is that the kids are wearing masks. That way they have a lesser chance of getting COVID, not so they don't die. It's so their parents don't die, their grandparents don't die, and other people don't die.
4: I mean, what is the... it's. Oh my God, it's right. mind-numbingly stupid. And a school building isn't Lord of the Flies. It's not just children present, right? You, you have teachers, you have administrators, you have sanitation staff, you have the lunch ladies, you've got the bus drivers. It's not like it's just a building full of kids. And so if we were talking about just a building full of kids who don't really face the same adverse effects as adults pre-Delta variant, there's stuff that we don't know about the variant that we're learning at this point in time. Look, the fear mongering is real. I've yes. not watched CNN, MSNBC, Fox. And I have not watched a news channel in two years and I am better off for it. I try to go to reputable online sources and read so that I'm not exposing myself to the emotion of the moment. There are people who are overly afraid. There have been overreactions, but for me, And for everybody, it's personal. But for me, I I had a kid on an ECMO machine. An ECMO machine is heart and lung bypass. My daughter at 13 days old stopped breathing. She was dead. She was dead. She had to be resuscitated. She was put on an ECMO machine to keep her alive. So if any parent out there wants to know what it's like to have a child on life support because of respiratory and heart issues, the same shit that COVID can cause, get at me. Let's talk. Let's talk about it because I'm not about that fear stuff. But I will say, like, it's a strange and sobering thought to know that if my family went through the medical issues that we went through in 2015 right now during this pandemic, there wouldn't be an ECMO machine to save my kid's life. There's other medical issues going on where the resources and everything are being taken up by the stuff that's going on. Being a parent is very hard. It is incredibly hard. You want the best for your kid and then you kick them out the door and you send them uh, around a bunch of other adults and a bunch of other kids where they have to exist in this community bubble. And you hope that they'll reinforce your values. But the the people in those situations are trying to do a public good. They're trying to do the least amount of harm and the most amount of good for the most amount of people there. Your kids are not as important to them as they are to you. So you do have to lobby. And I understand the purpose of school board meetings and I fully understand parents who don't believe that masks are in their kids' best interest. I want my teachers, my kids' teachers to see their face. I want my kids to be able to look at the faces of the other kids in class. And I think my kids learn better when they be able to see their teacher's face. That's optimum. Nobody is arguing whether or not that that should be the thing. And there are issues with masks. There's kids with claustrophobia. There's kids with anxiety. There's kids like me with glasses that fog up, which is going to cause them to touch their face a million more times, which could, actually increase their uh, uh, possible exposure to COVID. But the issue is school boards, while they have sympathy for those things, are trying to do the most good for the most amount of people and the least harm for the most amount of people. So you have some school boards that are still allowed by their states where it didn't get banned by the governor, like in Arizona and Florida. You have some states that are trying. They're trying. They're well-intentioned. They don't deserve stuff like Clay Travis going there to build his brand. They don't deserve to have fights out in the parking lot and people getting their lives threatened. They don't deserve these things. They are trying. We're all just trying to do the best thing for us and for our families. And it is absolute bullshit that somebody can put their career arc and their trajectory and their personal glory above the health and safety of other people, just so that you can tweet out the video and, 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 And become even more notorious like that's that's completely ridiculous to me. This isn't as harmful as the time that he came up making content about whether the airline would let his kids with lice on a plane or not. That's not what this is. This is him encouraging people to defy a school board who is trying to save lives because they don't have all the answers. That's counterproductive. And I'm not trying to be one of the people who's fear mongering. I'm not even trying to say that masks are the right thing to do. I'm saying that what Clay Travis is doing is it's unconscionable, man. And the fact that he's rewarded for it is ridiculous.
3: Yep. It's grifting, dude. It's 100% grifting and using your kid for it is shameful. Like you said.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM, let's create. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com
3: Uh, The next thing up, we had, I had the opportunity to interview Max Homa the other day, PGA golfer from the Valley. And here is what that sounded like. And now we're joined on the night cap by Max Homa, professional PGA tour golfer. Max, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. First of all, I want to give you a shout out, man. When I I, I saw that you are a uh, Santa Clarita Valley guy, um, I went to Silmar High School, which is right down oh. down the street. So you know, so I got got to give pra- props to you, you know Valley legends and Valley adjacent legends.
6: Hey, that's awesome, yeah. a uh, little Rockwell exit <laughs> for you down yeah. that way. I've, I've I've been down there down there quite often. That's a small world. Yep,
3: and Pac-12 guy as well, man. So uh, you are winning on all levels of life right now. (laughs) Thank you. Feels good. Yeah, and I I want to dive back to first thing – is your your victory this year was at the Genesis Invitational and you actually came back to win that one what was that Sunday like to be to be behind and then have a comeback victory in such a big event
6: yeah it was awesome man obviously being from from that area as you as you reference uh felt you know even more important uh, it was a long day. We had to finish uh, up the third round in the morning, so I think I got up at like three, three thirty. So it was kind of just a, a mental grind all day. But yeah, just slowly, I was just chipping away. Um, Sam Burns had a big lead. Uh, I just kind of kept playing steady golf uh, and just kind of was waiting, waiting to see if I could get a little, uh, little, little opening there. And, and he gave me a little one. And uh, you know, I just I played really solid golf all day. Uh, probably best round of my life. So. Um, just one of those things where I stayed really, really patient and trusted what I was doing, and and just wanted to see what would happen at the end of end of that Sunday. And unfortunately, you know, it went in my favor.
3: Yeah, you have been on the tour for a couple years, and you have two career victories now. What is it like to to be on top of that podium and get a and get a win? And 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 especially because 2020 was a pan, pandemic year and then to come back and start off 2021 early with a win.
6: Yeah, you know, golf, golf's tough, man. Like in, in most other sports, you could have a terrible day if you're on a basketball team and you guys could still win. You could have an awful day playing baseball. You could still win. But in golf, uh, you win. Almost never. <laughs> Even the best player of all time, Tiger Woods, still barely, you know, barely won in percentage down many times. He, he cheated up, so it's a it's a tough game in that. So anytime you win is just pure elation, uh, especially when you start the year with it. You know, it just makes it like you mentioned. 2020 was a wild year for everybody. So to get 2021 off to a a hot start felt really cool. Um, but yeah, just winning winning in golf is just is so rare that when it happens, it just really. It, it, it overtakes you with how how exciting it is,
3: and the the, the win this year was probably had to be weird because it was during the Genesis Open, and that's when Tiger Woods had had his crash. And yeah, it was the next and, day. Yeah, yeah. So how how was that kind of? You know, understanding like that—that that you had the a win, and everybody looked up to Tiger, and you know, having something like like that kind of almost overshadow a moment that was so big for you personally.
6: Oh yeah, no, it was it was crazy. Um, obviously, I was super glad to, to hear that he was all right. I remember, yeah, the, I got—that was the first time I got to really like talk to him for an extended period of time, and he was so kind and, and awesome. And then the next day. Hearing the news was just crazy to think, you know, that I just seen him the day before. You know, not somebody that I, like I said, I talked to very often. So it just felt it was so bizarre. But um, you yeah, know, I think we're all just like really stoked that he seems to be doing okay. I saw pictures of him last week uh, on Crunch. Seems to be moving around all right. Um, you know, I know he's he's probably bored, but it's just pretty cool that at least he's going to get some time with the family, time to just rest up. And you know, he's done so much for the game of golf uh, and so much for so many of the players out there that. Uh, You know, we were just sigh of relief when we knew that he was uh, he was going to be all right.
3: Yeah. And you guys, this interview is brought to you guys by Gillette and you're doing work with with them, with club, with the club, with the 72 club. Can you tell us about that?
6: Yeah, so it's awesome. So the, their 72 club is, is kind of in line with their 72-hour uh, uh, long-lasting deodorant, which is awesome, but they're doing a, a lot of cool stuff in the golf space. They have this thing called the Next Gen Golf City Tour, which is uh, providing uh, golf tournaments for, you know, just a common golfer that go out there and, 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 you know, try and see where their game stacks up to try to shoot 72, uh, strive for for greatness, you know, and, and keep pushing along. Uh, they have uh, uh, tournaments all over the country. They have a, a tour championship at the end of the year. Uh, whistling Straight. So, um, you know, I'm really, really honored to partner with a a big company like Gillette that wants to further kind of push the game and, and grow the game, uh, you know, that I love and, and that I play. So I'm, I'm really stoked to be a part of it. And, you know, first and foremost, their product works really well. So, So that helps a lot.
3: Yeah, I, I had a chance to do um some stuff with, with them a couple years ago. Uh and they were a good company to work with. Um yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to go back to a to a tweet that you put out in 2019. And this was after you won the World's Fargo Championship. It was your first PGA tour victory, and you tweeted that you just realized i just realized i missed the game of thrones tonight please don't <laughs> ruin it for me but if you do i honestly don't care because i just won and life couldn't be better team uh, arya um <laughs> what was what was that day day like and did you get any spoilers
6: I got a lot of spoilers, but it was all right because, like I said, I didn't care. But, yeah, it was funny. It was like, you know, your your whole life, as, as all of us, I guess, know, or many of us know, you get wrapped up in these TV shows or whatever, even, like, sports moments. You realize, you know, every Sunday that's what I would do. <laughs> the day would watch the new episode and realize that because, you know, we, we had actually won, uh, we, were, we were too busy. Uh, but, yeah, it was just funny. It's just uh, – it was it was uh it was just a cool moment you know it's like our little uh, world stopped for for a bit uh, and we got to just celebrate and enjoy and whatever whatever there was pretty much nothing at that point that could have could have made us upset so <laughs> even if okay. I got a, the, a episode of the Game of Thrones spoiled I'd, I'd be all right. <laughs> speaking speaking of that sounds sounds like
3: you were a, uh, a Game of Thrones fan. I am. Uh, well, a lot of people were upset with the ending of Game Game of Thrones. What was your thoughts on the last season?
6: Oh, it was awful. I have ruined it for me. I like, I'm no longer a Game of Thrones fan. I felt like they mailed it in, and oh. I just like, I was so excited, and I I just felt so let down that it's been it's just been a bummer. I would tell people, you know, it was one of my favorite shows I've ever seen going into that last season, and then it just ended. It just, I mean, they just, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the effort.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird, right? Is that, so, so we waited two years for the last season and they were talking about how much money they put into every episode, <laughs> all, all of that. You're just like, this is what we got to
6: end the show. <laughs> like, It, it was a Starbucks cup in one of the scenes. Oh my <laughs> That's God. That's just lazy. Yeah. What do you wh-
3: how would you have ended the show
6: i don't know but it it can't it can't if we have these these white walkers and like for for seven seasons six seven seasons that are like the big scary thing they cannot all die in one episode like that's not that can't yeah. the war can't be one day like it can't be that easy like it has, it to, be, so, has yes, to be it took so yes they were they were
3: taking it. people out for seasons and now just you just kill them all in one this one day one night, okay
6: one night and how about in the scene if you are going to do that scene how about we put some lights in so we could see what the heck is going on <laughs> i couldn't see the whole fight yeah
3: uh, you, you are one hundred percent right. Um, <laughs> you guys, we're on with Max Hama, a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, and um, you are a huge Dodgers and Lakers fan, like like I am. Are are you happy with the geriatric team that is representing our <laughs> Lakers? I am. I'm super excited because y- you know 30 35 is the new 25 in the NBA.
6: Well, yeah, no, I'm excited too because it's good because they'll be going to bed early. Uh, they're not gonna be <laughs> going out too much. <laughs> they're going to be all right, you know. No, it'll be fun, man. It's. I mean, I love Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Westbrook's going to be cool having him back in LA. Um, I think it'll be it'll be good. It's been a very odd. This has been a very odd uh, free agency period. Uh, I am sad to see Alex Caruso go. Uh, yes. i hoping that uh, the rest of the team can fill in, you know.
3: Yep. Um, and for the Dodgers, you got a chance to throw out the uh, opening pitch at a Dodgers game, which I would love to do, man. But <laughs> it was it was um it reminded me of major major league. It was like just a bit outside It yeah, was just
6: a bit it, outside yeah it was it was, it, it was a setup pitch. people don't know. I was trying to they, you know, I was trying to set them up to kind of get off the plate a little bit so I'd go down and away, the but they only let me throw one so yeah.
3: so so if it were so would you take your pitch? A, a perfectly placed 80-mile-an-hour fastball down the pipe or one of the memorable pitching fails if you had to do it all well, over so
6: again? That was a tough part. I'll take mine. That was the tough part is one of my best friends, Every day leading up to it would send me one of the just worst throws you've ever seen to make me nervous. <laughs> I was really nervous. Like 50 cent throw. That's the worst throw anybody's ever had. So <laughs> I, I kept that in my head. So I'll take it. I hit glove, it didn't bounce. Nobody got hurt. I felt like it was a success. <laughs> yeah,
3: it was. And you went to high school with Taylor Lautner from from Twilight <laughs> yeah. and 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 he posts pictures on, on on Twitter with with golf clubs, and uh, I think you need to get on his level, Max. I mean, maybe, maybe he can get, give you some lessons.
6: Oh, maybe I didn't even know he played golf. Yeah, I haven't seen him since no. high school. Sheesh. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's 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 awesome. He's a really nice dude. We've had a, a lot of. A lot of cool people come out of out of Valencia High and Heart High, so that's uh, that's cool to see. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll link up sometime. No, no, no. He he. I I
3: was joking. He actually can't golf. He posted a picture not too long ago, uh, and he was like, "I love posting golf pictures, like I'm some pro golfer." When in reality, I can't even swing a golf club.
6: <laughs> All right, that sounds more like it. Then. Yeah, it, yeah.
3: It pays to be a Twilight star. It does. It does. (laughs) um, I I have been watching uh, golf for uh, like Tiger Woods got me into watching golf regularly. and, And then I started playing, grew to love the game. And like he obviously dominated ratings for so many cultural reasons. And the fact that he was so dominant. And now golf doesn't necessarily have that superstar. And I've been adamant that the like that rivalries between players is actually the way to go now, as opposed to, you know, trying to find who's the next Tiger Woods. Like the Tiger will just show up, but. But what do you what do you think about the rivalries that have been kind of made in golf right now between players who kind of beef on the on the course and then on social media as well?
6: Yeah, you know, uh, we're obviously we're never going to have another Tiger Woods. It's impossible. Uh, not only was he the, the best you know player by a mile in that in that stretch of time, he was also the most interesting. He was he was had fist clumps, He was electric. Like he just had it all. So we're never going to have that again. But we do have a much more well-rounded, I feel like, tour now. We have a lot of players that are really good. A lot of players that get in the mix. And we're getting, you know, through social media and whatnot, we're getting a, you know, a couple, <laughs> couple beefs here and there. And I think that's great. It is, a, it is a sport, but it's an entertainment product. People watch it to be entertained. So when we have other storylines, I think it's good. As long as, you know, they're organic and we're not, like, just contriving them all up, then it's good. And I think right now we're in a good spot because, it's okay uh to you know have rivalries and for some fans not to like certain players and like others you know because that that just that just adds to the the fanfare and I think it's awesome.
3: Yeah um so what so when you guys are are in your off season cuz the last PGA Tour event is in a few is in a few weeks with the, with the tour championship in in September second. What does the off season look like for a professional golfer? Because like yeah, you have to let your body rest, but it's not a physical. Well, sorry, it's not a contact sport like you know basketball or football or anything like that.
6: No, yeah, we don't we, – there's not a whole lot of, you know, rest. Sometimes you kind of get away from the clubs just for a little bit, just for just, just to kind of reset, you know, get your mind back back into, a, you know, regular day life so you can kind of miss it a little bit more because it's just a long season, a long year. Uh, but, yeah, we do stuff like I usually use my off-season time to, to work on things on my body that maybe, like, strength-wise that I wouldn't want to do during the season because I don't want to get too sore or, or too tight. So do a little bit more uh, more of that. Um, but a lot of it is just trying to get your mind back to uh, back to square one because it can be a bit of a grind. Um, final final
3: question for you, Max is is and th- and th- this is going to determine whether you get to stay or whether you get kicked out. I'm just letting you know this right okay, now. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> on your latest podcast, you said that golf in Europe is better than golf in America. Can you expand on why you said that and, and what exactly that that means? Because obviously you have a lot more links golf over there and all this stuff. What's the difference?
4: It's
6: just the, 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 the grass they have, the turf they have and the weather they have makes golf more to play. Well, you need to do everything well over there. Now, um, it can be a pain when it's the weather's really bad. So I'm not saying that it's always the most fun, but as far as tee to green and then into the hole, the golf over there is just more dynamic. It requires way more thought. It requires more golf shots. I think in America, and I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but in America, you know, you play the ball up in the air and you're trying to kind of trying to hit as far as you can. And um, you know, you can just keep it straight. And then, in in Europe when it's windy and then the greens are firm you play the ball on the ground a lot more and you need the ball to curve the you know correct amount and you don't really get away with poorly struck golf shots so i think all all things can be can be good but i just find that i find that golf over there for my first trip over i, I really started to see you know what it really re- requires from the entirety of your game, from mental all the way through your bag. So it's just different. You know, it's just a different game we play. Much softer greens over here. Uh, we play much softer fairways over here um, in, in America. Over there, it's just it's a whole, it's a almost a completely different game in a way. You need to really work the ball and control the golf ball a lot more so than you do uh, in the states. And I found that to be a lot of fun and then and, and a bit harder um, and also a little bit more more chaos to it, which is a little different than. than in, uh, in the United States oh yeah oh I welcome that I, I would welcome yeah, awesome. that
3: because I do think that and and, and that was a, a, a trick question because I enjoy European golf because I've golfed over there and you're, you're right it is significantly harder and it just re- requires more focus and control of the ball which I do not have so I was frustrated <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear that that's fair Yeah. Um, the last thing though, is you were able to partner with St. Jude and let patients from St. Jude hospital, customize a pair of shoes for you. And I watched the video that the PGA tour put out, dude, I, I was, you know, somebody was cutting onions around (laughs) me So, so what was that like? Combining um, doing work with them and then actually wearing those shoes on your feet.
6: Yeah, it's amazing. What St. Jude Children's Hospital does is incredible. Um, it, they 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 provide so much help for people that really need it and kids that really need it. Um, so every year I go there, I've been you know I've been lucky enough to get to meet a kid, or or, or one time we got to go to the hospital and meet a whole bunch and we get to interact and 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 just talk to them, and it's awesome because. Uh, You know they say that we make their day, but I promise you that they make our day even more. So this year, yeah, uh, we did a a little collaboration with my guy Calvin. He uh, he and I got on a Zoom call and we uh, talked about kind of our favorite hobbies and our favorite foods and our favorite numbers. And he had a couple cool quotes in there and they put them on these shoes. And he got a pair and then I got a pair and I wore them uh, throughout the tournament last week, which was which was just I mean just puts a smile on your face, puts things into perspective. Um, You know, the kid is Calvin is probably the coolest dude I've ever talked to in my life. Uh, Just everything he said was just so positive and fun. And and he's just a special guy. So I was really honored to get to wear some shoes that we both kind of got to put our favorite stuff on.
3: Man, that sound, man, that is excellence. You guys, he's Max Hama. Uh, Santa Clarita Valley legend and professional (laughs) PGA tour golfer. Max, thanks for coming on the show.
6: Hey, thanks so much, man. Take care. Good to meet a a fellow uh, Valley uh, Valley resident. (laughs)
3: Okay, so Ralph, what did you think about the HOMA interview?
4: So the Max Home interview is going to be on our audio. Uh, so if you've got iTunes, if you got Spotify, uh, Google podcasts, my son just got his first cell phone and it's an Android. So, uh, you know, I had him download the show. And uh, uh, so, so we get, we get one of those extra downloads. Um, uh, make sure you leave a review on iTunes. We'll read it on the show, but uh, the max home interview was awesome. He is what golf needs period. He, you know, I'm a peripheral golf fan. You are much more into golf than I am, but I do like good personalities. His podcast is fun. He's fun. The thing that golf needs from him is to be more consistent. Um, But just his overall sense of humor, his personality, like he, 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 I don't know if he could be the face of golf, but he really enhances it, the whole thing, makes it more relatable, makes it fun. I love that you guys connected on all those different levels. And I do have one suggestion for him. Okay. What's that? If you had to wake up at three 30 in the morning to finish a round and you ultimately ended up winning a tournament because of it, you might want to try that on Sundays. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> like a to C.
3: Be, yeah. Yeah. To uh to see if that's your actual answer. Yeah. No,
4: I don't no, mean to be superstitious, but three 30 AM might be his golden ticket.
3: Hey, Hey, that that's a reasonable call, dude. Very reasonable. What'd right. What'd you think uh, of him? Oh, dude, I thought he was great. I thought he was personable. I thought he understood where where he stands in the game of golf. I thought that he wasn't afraid to really challenge U.S. golf versus uh, golf in Europe, saying that golf in Europe is much more challenging and requires way more skill. I
4: I, I thought that that was the flex that you dropped, though. I've golfed in Europe. Please expand on that.
3: Uh, I've golfed in Europe. When I was over in uh, Europe, I played, I played, played golf. I have not played in, um, in England or in Ireland, which I do want to play in both. I played in Germany and I played in, um, in Italy.
4: God dang, Mr. Worldwide.
3: Well, and what but 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 while I was out there, I was also at military bases speaking speaking to our servicemen and women who I love and respect very much, even though I also support Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick. Go figure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just just to confuse people further. They're like, oh, you have to hate them. No, bro. That I'm an individual, you know. Um, but now it's time for cancel or consequence.
4: Do we need to cancel cancel, cancel, Cancel. or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. Now, now,
3: now, now, now. Um, where we literally, uh, see if somebody is being canceled out in the world or they're receiving consequences for their actions. And today's victim is Dennis Schroeder. Now, a uh, guard for the Boston Celtics. He's getting slammed on Twitter, social media, and every other medium for turning down a four-year $84 million from the Lakers, which I heard was four years $84 million, but it also could have been three years $63 million. Either way, that's $21 million a year. He turned it down and... um and now he's making 5.9 million dollars on a 1 year deal.
4: I really hope he doesn't get hurt. I really hope he doesn't get hurt. I think he's a good player. I think he was a really good player 2 years ago. I think I think he improved as a passer with the Lakers. Um it was an oddly constructed his field goal percentage
3: went down. His three point percentage went down. Turnovers up. He he just, and, and granted he's a good player. That's why the Lakers wanted to assign him, but he overplayed his hand. He thought he was the $120 million man and nobody else thought that. And that sucks.
4: Well, the, I mean the, the Lakers certainly thought that he was worth 20 million a year and, and that's the whole bird in hand thing. Um, you know, which is what he's getting made fun of for. And I do see a lot of people online who are starting to push back against the fact that everyone is roasting him. And I mean, if the the Nana Schroeder memes were plentiful, Uh, but I I do see people starting to push back saying like, Hey, I'm not going to feel bad for somebody who's still going to make $6 million next year, or I'm not going to feel bad. Um, or, or or six million dollars is nothing to laugh at plus it's a one-year deal so he could still come up later he's still really young like he, he you might feel like he'd been around a while but he got in the league at 20 years old so he's he's gonna be what 27 the next time he comes up for uh for free agency at the end of this year he might even be used as a trade chip to put him in a better situation you just you, you never know what could happen he didn't stop being a good basketball player do you think the internet went overboard yesterday in laughing at his misfortune
3: oh god yes
4: yes (laughs) yes
3: but these are the things though that you can expect when you are a professional athlete it's just the facts dude that that people are going to come at you hard and you got to be okay with it you got to have some thick skin so does he got to fire his agent if if his agent is the if if his agent told him prior, like, like, yo, I don't think this is a good idea, man. I think you should take it. Then, no, you shouldn't fire him. You you were getting sage advice. But if you did not, if he was like, nah, I think I can do better. I think we can do, do better. Then, bro, you drop his ass like a hot potato.
4: Do you think this will go down in history with some of the more bungled money deals like Latrell Spreewell not signing a... Tw- uh 20 plus million dollar extension saying that he, it wasn't enough to feed his kids and then never playing basketball again and going broke or Antonio Brown having a fat contract, being the highest paid receiver in the NFL and literally giving it away for no reason. Do do you think this goes down in history with that? Or do you think it's its own separate category of
3: mm. see if, if he gets paid big time next year, No harm, no foul, right? But if he gets hurt, we're looking at like DeMarcus Cousins turning down five years, $170 million from the the Kings. No, no, from the the Kings. And then turning down two years, $40 million from the uh, Pelicans and then tearing his Achilles. Yeah,
4: yeah. I I feel like I can't comment that much about it because I'm also the same person who decided at the last minute not to put $8,000 into Bitcoin in 2008, uh, which would literally be billions of dollars at this point. So I don't get to laugh. I'm
3: I'm, I'm happy that you did because otherwise we would not be here because you would be off the grid somewhere in Wyoming. So I'm selfishly glad that you made a bad decision.
4: Bro, if I hit the lottery, you'll never hear from me ever again. And no one will. I thought I thought we were friends, Ralph. We are absolutely friends, and you can have some of the money, but that doesn't mean that anyone on this
0: earth is going to know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com/consulting. IBM. Let's create.
3: The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome
5: to
3: Here's the best of social media. All right. Well, now it's time for the best of social media, where we literally show you the best of social media. The first thing is Isaiah Thomas drops 81 points, and he was emotional after it.
0: Gave up on me. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, <laughs> so he's saying they gave up on me and talking about the NBA. And OK, so as a player who was given up on by um in terms of being injured or my neck or what, whatever it is that you want to attribute it to. Here's the thing is, on some level, lo- I understand the emotion that Isaiah Thomas is feeling and I feel bad for him because I get it. Losing what you love to do the most hurts, dude. It hurts you in places that you can't even imagine. However, the facts are that as good as Isaiah Thomas is at scoring the basketball, he's also getting older. He's over 30 now. And as you get over 30, your athleticism declines a little bit. And so he's so short that he reco- he relies on his athleticism so much to uh, score. So having and also. He's the worst defender in the NBA. He can't guard anybody. He can't rebound. All that because he's limited because of his size. So I understand where he may have offensively enough talent to be in the league. I think you also have to consider, too, that he can't do the requisite things that it requires to be an NBA player at this point. Where, like, Steph is not a great defender, but Steph's also 6'3". So, he rebounds better. He can actually defend people a little bit. But when it comes to big people, he's he's a liability. So, a guy 5'8 is a severe liability. And I it's just, I don't know if it's ever going to happen for him again. But the reality is that that's why he's not on a team.
4: <sighs> I don't know, man. I it's very possible that he is still specifically speaking about one team in particular, the Boston Celtics and not the NBA in general. And I, I mean, would you fault him for still being upset about that?
3: No, I would not fault him for still being upset about that because I'm still upset with Jack Del Rio and some, some things
4: he did and that's 10 years, 10 plus years ago. So yeah uh, I, I, I fully Fully sympathize With you there And I will say this A pro-am Is Obviously an exhibition But he dropped 81 And like five days ago He dropped 65 And won in Atlanta He could still play Yeah for sure I understand that He's diminutive But there's a role For him Like it exists Bench spark is a thing. It's you. You need somebody to play yeah. the last, three, the last three minutes of the the first quarter, first four, the second. Would would, would he be okay the with in that? The third and fourth. That's what the real question is, and it's the same thing we get into every time we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. Is would he be a backup? Like that's that's the this is a conversation that uh, that I think can it's a thing that can only be answered by him. But you talk about him being small, and I remember. Earl Boykins was getting 16 minutes a game Well into almost being 35 years old
3: Yeah, but And NBA, Isaiah
4: Thomas is three, four times and, the, the offensive player that Earl Boykins okay. was
3: Okay, who who can he guard when they play the 76ers?
4: In this day and age we you, If you can find a way to switch people on and off And stuff like that oh, Well, first of all, Ben Simmons isn't going to do shit So <laughs> Ben Simmons would be able to
3: score on Isaiah Thomas. All right. That's up to Ben Simmons, isn't it? It, Yep. All right. The the last thing on the best of social media is this. Um, Is this happened on Undisputed Today
2: his motivational speech was the most inspiring but criticizing <laughs> his appearance i don't know if i think that is a fair shot for michael mm. carthy i'm gonna leave it at that uh chris Hard. thanks Roussard, jenny i appreciate that i don't think it is a fair shot
5: yeah well i don't think that's a fair shot either. is everyone
2: that's who's my a good coach yeah. as fit as you mm. skip Mm. I don't think that's a fair shot uh, whatsoever.
1: I wouldn't want. I said it was a personal preference. And I wouldn't want him to be my head coach.
2: That have not had the yeah. perfect ideal physique, including yeah. my college coach. Mm. So I don't think that's a
4: fair mm. shot. Okay. And I'm
5: allowed Next. to have an opinion. Yeah. I am allowed mm-hmm. to say whatever okay. I want okay. to say on this show, okay. as
3: Thank you guys.
5: do on, too. We will really we'll join us. more to say. Yes.
3: Yes. Yes. I've been Shannon Sharpe. In that moment. He said. <laughs> no, no. He said we're we're a team, right? We're a team. We're a team. Yeah, bro. Team team teams getting fights sometimes, bro.
4: Teams get in mm-hmm. fights. Uh, Jenny Taft. athlete. Yep. College athlete. Uh, Shannon Sharp. One of the greatest tight ends of all time. And yep. if he actually played in a uh Like if if Dan Marino had him, he'd probably be the greatest tight end of all time. But he played in throw the ball eight times a game. Denver. Um, (laughs) Skip Bayless couldn't get off the bench for JV. And so it would make sense to me that athletes again, Jenny Taft athlete, collegiate lacrosse player. uh, It would make sense to me that Jenny Taft would take offense to something like that from someone who is not an athlete. And for Skip Bayless to say it's a personal decision for him to say that he wouldn't want to play for Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy is fat. Here's the deal. Would you want to play for Andy Reid? Andy Reid's fat.
3: Right. Bill Belichick's out of shape.
4: Yeah, we just celebrated. We spent a week celebrating Bobby Bowden, the dad bod king. Like Bruce Arians is fresh off a Super Bowl and that dude has a wine belly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it. I it's you don't want to take what Skip Bayless says seriously, but Jenny Taft chose to in that moment and Skip got offended. You could tell his feelings were hurt. And the most important thing to remember is that Skip Bayless is a 69 year old man who is not going to be playing for Mike McCarthy because even when he was young, he was not a good athlete.
3: OK, so what do you think's going to come out of this? because uh, he, are, are, they, are they going to,
4: to repair
3: their relationship because Jenny Taft is good at her job she's she's one of fox's uh top female uh
4: moderators and uh sideline reporters yeah she's a, I think she's very versatile yes like I, I think she's she is like equally adept at at both things um I could see her getting fired for this. I mean, Skip Bayless is the cash cow. He makes a truckload of money and his feelings are hurt and his feelings are hurt over a dumb hypothetical. I don't see
3: Shannon Sharp allowing that.
4: How much leverage does Shannon Sharp have? He doesn't even make half of what Skip Bayless makes on that show.
3: I think Shannon does have say so on the show. And I don't see Skip even asking for her to be fired I do if if she gets fired, it'll it'll start an outrage
4: because what is Skip Bayless's issue with the city of Dallas and Jerry Jones in general? Because like he just called the head coach fat and said he wouldn't want to play for him because he's fat. And uh, but he loves the Dallas Cowboys. They are his team. Right. And the quarterback's mentally weak and the greatest quarterback in franchise history is a closet homosexual, according to Skip Bayless. Like he has been. He has been personally attacking people affiliated with this franchise Here, for years. Here's the he truth, built a dude, career
3: off it. Is that Skip is good at his job. He understands how the whole thing works. He also sometimes, when you're paid to be an opinionist and give opinions all day long, sometimes you come up with stuff that's just like, because his whole stick is, oh, uh, mamba men- mentality, clutch gene, all of this stuff that he comes up with. So, like, you, and you have to stick with the grift. Like, it, it's it's so deep that he believes it. I'm telling you. I've talked to people who've worked with Skip. They're like, no, Skip believes the things that he says.
4: That's fine. So does the lady outside Walmart who says that uh, a, a satellite full of squirrels is going to crash into the earth. Like, it's totally fine for unreasonable people to be fooled by their own bullshit. But the issue comes in when you can't take the consequences of putting it out there on live television. You have an issue with Jenny taps, like pointing out that it is not a very like decent human being thing to do to equate somebody's, Physical shape with their ability to accomplish a job that has nothing to do with their physical yep. shape, especially an issue that women have had to face down forever. And I'm really sorry for Jenny Tapp's college lacrosse coach who took a ricochet shot there. Yeah, it, it seemed, but uh, he's just. Hey. A, a, I'm. Everyone 50%. says anytime you criticize Skip, you're jealous. I'm not jealous of him. I just think that he has the ability to get Jenny Tapp fired if he wants to, and it might happen. 50 cent
3: has a great line. Don't throw stones. If you live in a glass house and if you got a glass jaw, you should watch your mouth.
4: How about don't throw stones. If you don't have arms, you don't have arms. He never played (laughs) my, my job. My job on this show with you is not to tell you that I'm the expert on athletic accomplishments and endeavors. And if I ever do so Please knock me out. All right.
3: <laughs> you guys, that is Reister or wrong for today. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. Peace out. Catch you guys on Friday.
2: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer, like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And...